The lush vegetation surrounding a calm Carolinian swamp sits still on a balmy summer morning. The abundance of a pre-European North America permeates the air. Then all of a sudden, a flitter, and in the blink of an eye, hundreds of leaves jettison from the canopy. The silence is abruptly broken by the squawking and fluttering of an expansive flock of birds as they swiftly move across the sky in search of their next meal. This is the Carolina Parakeet. Did you ever feel so bad inside? Welcome to Extinction Event. I'm Melissa here with Jack as always. Welcome back, Jack. Thank you for this <laughs> warm welcome. Uh, Carolina Parakeet, huh? Yeah. I hope it's a good story because, uh, you know, I think of Wooly Mammoth. I think of like uh, a saber-toothed tiger, all yeah. these uh, this... cool, interesting animals. And uh, Carolina Parakeet. Well, I think... Oh, nice Carolina Parakeet. <laughs> Um, Did you get a chance to hear what they sound like, or is that just improv? That's not what they. That maybe one of my favorite bits in this show is I call you out for something that you couldn't possibly know, and then you take it serious as like you didn't do enough research. It's true because I can, like I say, when I research these episodes, I can kind of pinpoint when I'm getting lazy and I don't want to follow up on something, and I'm like, hmm, Jack's like, going to hmm. call that out. And what kind of bone structure did that wing have? Yeah. Is it more of a hollow tip? Or, uh, you're like, oh, I should know this. I don't know if that's what they sounded like. Uh, we will talk about how they sounded, but let's not get bogged down in the details already. Save that for <laughs> when we really get into from it. Now. Yeah. Let's get into it. The Carolina parakeet was about 12 inches in length and had a long forked tail, as you can see from the image in the book I've provided for you today, Jack. Ah, then my responsibility to now describe this image no, no, for our listeners. It. Its head, the image you're looking at, shows that its head was orange and yellow. The rest of its body was mostly green. Uh, the head I would describe as sort of uh, on its way to being ripe mango color. Yes, a lovely description. Thank you. This coloration actually served as camouflage in the lush green foliage of its habitat, which was the forested areas surrounding rivers and streams throughout portions of the eastern United States and as far west as Texas. Mm -hmm. So it's native to it. Part of me was like, is this an animal that was brought over? No, it's been here for a long time. Also, I don't know if you know about parakeets, but... A parakeet is a type of parrot. See, I didn't know that. It's in the parrot family. Yeah. So all parakeets are parrots, but not all parrots are parakeets. Mm, sort of like Oreos and cookies. I don't... <laughs> what? All Oreos are cookies, but not all cookies yes, are Oreos. Yes, exactly. I thought this was a very common thing. Uh... Also, parrots are one of the smartest birds out there. They are thought to be as smart as dolphins and chimpanzees. So we're dealing with a very intelligent bird here. Not so intelligent and didn't get extinct. Well, yeah. Tell me about them. Okay. If you can imagine North America before European colonization, it would be a land of bountiful wildlife. 
The forests were so dense, it is said that a squirrel could traverse the canopy from Maine to Mississippi without... Touching the ground. Yeah. Stories from early settlement tell of lobsters that weighed 20 pounds, Massachusetts oysters that were so big you had to cut them into thirds just to swallow them, and catfish that weighed more than a woman. (laughs) I feel like we could do an episode on every single thing you just said. I want to hear about this squirrel who never touched the ground. (laughs) Something's there. I don't know. Pixar movie, something. I thought for you, the oysters that you had to cut in threes would be... That just sounds gross. (laughs) I get grossed out even when the oyster's a little bit too big. Really? It's too much. I like oysters, but I prefer the smaller ones because they're just easier to eat. But anyway, you see that it was a bountiful land. And this was the land that the Carolina parakeet called home for more than five million years. When the Europeans arrived, there would have been millions of them. And within just a few centuries, there would be only a handful left. Explorers encountered the Carolina parakeet as early as 1583. At that time, their flocks numbered from a couple dozen to several hundred They are also described as being swift and graceful in flight and as even being more beautiful than some European birds. Well, that's got to be a big admission for them coming from Europe. Yeah. Uh, Despite these positive reviews, however, most early accounts seem to be primarily concerned about how they sounded. Probably pretty annoying. (laughs) Exactly. Historical accounts describe them as squawking constantly, having loud and outrageous screaming, and as sounding shrill and disagreeable, a kind of grating metallic shriek. I have had encounters with a small flock of parrots. Oh, have you? Yes, and I I sympathize with these people already. (laughs) It's cool. When you see them flying around, you're like, whoa, look at these, like, neon highlighter color birds <laughs> what are they doing here and then they open their mouths and you're like yep i've had <laughs> enough of that i don't i i too have seen wild flocks of parrots i believe probably in southern california those are mostly just ones that have escaped from homes mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but i don't find them annoying i don't find that sound annoying <sighs> I like that could have been my description. <laughs> Shrills, grating. Okay. So this was one way that they were described, but they were also described as when they were perched, the birds were said to gossip in a low mumble. So they would quiet down when they were just hanging out on the trees. An awfully peculiar way to describe birds hanging out, gossiping in a low mumble. Well, It does seem like the Europeans had a weird fascination with bird sounds. Pretty much anywhere they travel to back then, they find what they consider to be inferior sounding birds. Mm. We talk about that in the first episode with Tasmanian Tiger. When they came over to Tasmania, they basically re-interior decorated the soundscape of that continent. They're like, these birds are not my type of music i'm gonna yeah. introduce some other birds that are a little more pleasant which makes me wonder are the birds more pleasant in europe and are we what's what's up 
I don't know, maybe they like by process of elimination. Maybe that's just what the Europeans did was kill off all the annoying birds. So all there was left was mm. pleasant birds. Yeah. Hey, 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 hey. Oh, God. What's up? Hey, what's up? Hey. Yeah, I was just hey. flying around screaming at stuff. <laughs> How about you? Same? It feels good to scream. Oh, I love it. I know. Nobody's out here. You could just scream. <sighs> so did you hear the Freedom. news? Did you hear the news? What? You see these Europeans down here? I Is that what those are? They're funny looking. <sighs> so funny looking. Yeah, they don't have a mango colored head. Nothing. What's up with that? Oh my God. <sighs> uh, well, yeah. I heard that guy last night. Oh yeah? Mm-hmm. Look did... at his pants. Oh my God. <laughs> no. He didn't. Well, I heard he pissed his pants, and uh, he tried to play it off like he spilled a, a <laughs> jug of water. Can you believe that? I I can actually. I can. But you, you know what? What his friend down there? Uh-huh. You know what I heard? What I heard that he can't get to sleep without sucking his thumb. <laughs> this is such juicy gossip. I know. I'm gonna tell everybody. All right. Well, this has been great. I gotta I gotta get up there and scream. Yeah, I, you know? I was just uh, missing, flying around screaming at the top of my lungs. Yeah, I caught my breath. It's time to get back out okay. there. Okay, see you later. Okay. <laughs> of course, Europeans aren't just casually observing these birds. Us humans will quickly make use of them. We ate them. And just like the passenger pigeon, we preferred the younger ones. We shot them for fun. Apparently, one charge from a gun could kill up to 20 at a time. Also, Carolina parakeets like to sleep inside hollow trees, so one way to catch them was to just put a bag over the opening in the tree, wait till they wake up and fly out, and you, you just caught a bunch of a bag parakeets. of parakeets. Yeah. <laughs> Which is where that famous saying comes from. <laughs> uh, dumber than a bag of parakeets. Oh, we boy. Jeez. Wow. It's going to be a long edit. Moving on. But that's not all. Eventually, they will be used in the plume trade, which really went wild in the 19th century. I think it's pronounced plum. Plume. The fruits that you eat. No, it's the plumage. Stain your mouth. Purple. The plum trade. <laughs> the purple period in humanity. Mm-hmm. You trade them for other fruits. Like you can get them lunchable. Uh, feathers, even whole birds, were used to adorn women's hair, hats, and gowns, as well as in the fedoras for men. That is a certain type of man. <laughs> a feathered fedora. And I want to meet that man. I know. Shake his I, hand. It is a bummer that um, dudes kind of just can only wear caps now. There's a movement. Yeah. It's not looking good. <laughs> no. But some people are trying. I don't think we're ready for it. I don't think the other half of the species is ready for it. The thing I see why those types of hats really flourished is because you basically had no choice. It's either you're wearing a farmer's hat or a fancy hat. That's it. If we only had two choices, everybody would be wearing that stuff. We have too many choices now. So go ahead and lament the days of not everyone's wearing a three-piece suit to go... (laughs) You know, down to the park. (laughs) We have a few more choices now. 
Okay, so a lot of the birds will die in the name of fashion. For example, in 1886 in New York City alone, it was estimated that 5 million birds had been used in clothing and accessories. Mm. Mm-hmm. However, the Carolina parakeets were not the most coveted bird, despite them having quite vivid plumage. Heron agrets were. I don't Egrets? Egrets? I think it's egrets. Are those two types of birds? Herons and Let me, egrets? Let's look it up real quick. Because I know like a blue heron, and I know an egret. This is... Uh, oh. oh. So it's a... It's heron's egret. Okay, yeah. Okay, so it's a heron's egret, which is the head ornamentation of a heron. Okay, that's that little, those like special feathers on the top that are like fancy. Yes. Hmm. Interesting. The herons took a, a big blow, but they're doing fine now. So regardless, the plume trade, this fashion craze would definitely help to thin the flocks. They were also a popular pet. Get out. I guess that's pretty obvious since parakeets are, are still a right. popular pet. They were popular in both North America and Europe. They were apparently fond of music and dancing. You could train them. For instance, one ornithologist, while out on expedition, captured one, and he names it Pole or Paul. P-O-L-L. I'm assuming like Polly. Yeah, I'm going to say Paul. Paul. What a weird name, though. Paul. We'll call it Paul, even though it's spelled like... Paul. Paul. Paul learned its name, perched on its master's shoulder, and ate from his mouth. I And it begs the question, why? Why? I don't know why. Look at this trick. And then you like, <laughs> put some seed in your mouth, and he comes over and eats it. You're like, what did you think he was going to do? It's not really a trick. It's gross. If you put seed in your hand, he would come over and eat it. I guess it's a trick. (laughs) Okay, so one day, Paul's squawking attracted a nearby flock of parakeets. And Paul's master decided to wound one of them so that Paul would have a friend. They became instant soulmates and enjoyed nestling with each other. But you can see where this story's going. No, I don't. (laughs) This friendship was short-lived. The new companion dies, I'm supposing because it was injured, maybe when it was captured. Could have been. And Paul apparently was inconsolable. So on their voyage home, Paul escapes from the ship and perishes in the Gulf of Mexico. Uh, Maybe a suicide. I don't think there's a maybe about it. Yeah. Paul? Yes. I know it's a tough time, but I'm going to need you to take a step back from the edge, buddy. <laughs> Paul? You gave me... Paul, I... My... I'm going to need you to step back mate. from the edge. And you took him away. I didn't take anything didn't away. did you? I mean, you shot him with a gun. What did you think was going to happen? I would wound him, and then you guys would become best friends, and then, and then eventually he would die, yeah. and you'd become inconsolable, but... That's not what I intended. Is this a trick? Was Is this one of the tricks I'm supposed to learn? <laughs> I, I admit it's one of my weirder tricks, but I mean, the mouth thing was going so well that I could just keep it going. Look, Paul, How, it's not uh, worth 
jumping off the back of this boat. I need you to step back from the edge. Is the trick that I won't be sad the next time you kill my best friend? Oh. Because I got to tell you, I uh, I don't think it's funny, and I I'm done. You know, like here's Paul, what other thing. Yeah, you're getting we'll just, real close to the edge. Can I just say one more thing before I step off? <laughs> Your breath is disgusting. Every time I go up there and try and take out some of your whatever that is, regurgitated mutton, I want to throw up. You're talking about my mouth trick. Yeah. Everybody loves that mouth trick. Uh, brush your teeth. What do you think the mouth trick is about? Do You're you supposed to be to... cleaning my teeth. Do you... <laughs> you know what? Jump. Okay. See if I care. So they were sold as pets. And they were also collected. Natural history collectors wanted whole birds, skins, and eggs for their curiosity cabinets. Ornithologists collected specimens and eggs. And this is random. I found one... For their ornithologist cabinets. <laughs> Basically, those are the same. Well, so you got you got the rich guys who aren't mm-hmm. even pretending to be ornithologists, you know. And yeah. you got... The, the ones boy. who are pretending yes. to be ornithologists. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so I found this one account that was about how some specimens might have made their way back to collectors in England, and the birds were sometimes preserved in rum-filled jars for the ship journey. It's called moonshine. (laughs) But the sailors would often get thirsty on the journey and drink the rum. Hmm. Yeah, that's some uh, oversight there. Also, the egg collecting scene was on fire back then. Hobbyists snatched up every egg they could, yet despite this, only 12 sets of Carolina parakeet eggs exist in North American museums today, which is interesting. Is that low? Yeah, that's not a lot for there being millions of them. Hmm. Well, they are eggs and they're kind of fragile. I guess that's true. That was probably the main thing they get... Put into a box in the garage. Someone's mom throws them out. <laughs> like, you're not playing with these anymore. Every single time I go back to visit my mom, there's a box waiting for me. Almost upon exiting the vehicle mm-hmm. for me to go through. Where's she getting these boxes? It's every mom has these boxes. Yeah? Do you have to go through boxes? It's in my trunk right now. <laughs> it has been for... Like about five, seven years. (laughs) So despite all of this, and there being a substantial interest in parakeets as pets, because they were so common and cheap, breeders didn't really take an interest in them. So no breeding programs were undertaken. For them, they could just get new birds and sell them. It wasn't in their interest to... Breed them. Yeah. Yeah. So that's not going to help the species out. Certainly there were no shortage of ways in which we captured and killed the Carolina parakeet, but there may have been another factor that ultimately doomed the species. Way back when colonists first arrived, they cultivated new plants, and the parakeets feasted on these new delicacies. Things like mulberries, peaches, pears, and apples. But here's the thing. 
they preferred the seeds of these fruits and not the actual fruit itself. Uh, so they just dig in there, eat the seeds, and leave the rest to rot. Hmm. And this really ruffled the farmer's feathers. <laughs> that just bugged them. And in retribution, or to protect their crops, the farmers shot the birds, obviously. As I mentioned, they weren't that hard to shoot, but on top of that, the Carolina parakeet was a very sociable bird. Just like the passenger pigeon, the flock would not abandon a wounded bird. Ooh, that's a big deal. Yeah, remember? So once you took one bird down, you could just keep shooting until the entire flock was dead because they were just hanging around the dead bird. Leave no bird behind. Yes. Mm. Also, as I mentioned, Carolina parakeets roosted inside the hollows of trees and used them as rookeries. And it's estimated that early colonists cut down as much as one quarter of the forests that they used. They're cutting them down to build settlements and to use the timber as fuel. Habitat loss. Habitat loss. Also, they brought European honeybees with them. This is a new... We haven't talked about bees before. Mm. These bees like to use the same tree hollows that the parakeets did. Mm. Yeah. And it probably attracted a lot of picnic bears. <laughs> I. Is this where you're going with well, it? No, I was going to say that... The picnic bears come in. They're taking up... Looking for that sweet honey. <laughs> Scratch up the trees. Possibly. That you know, could rub have been, their sure, bum sure. on the back, get a good scratch. But really what... Fall, tree falls over, no more place for a parakeet to live. Yes, but even before all that, the honeybees have taken the hollow from the parakeets, so they don't have that place to sleep. Mm. So not only are the parakeets losing their trees, but now there's competition for those trees from bees and maybe bears. So that's not great if you are a Carolina parakeet. Strike two. Yeah. All of that, along with our continued hunting of them for sport, using their feathers for fashion, making pets of them, and collecting them, no surprise, this eventually takes its toll on the species. And by 1870, sightings are rare. Give me just a quick catch-up of, of these things, because I threw out strike two, and then you relisted, and I realized maybe it was like strike seven. Yeah, it's a lot. You had hunted for fashion. Hunted for sport. Hunted for food. For food, okay. Um, Hunted by farmers for eating their stuff. Revenge. They were collected for fun and also as pets. That's strike five. Yeah. And then their habitat gets cut down, some of it. Mm -hmm. And they're competing with bees and possibly bears. Picking bears. That's strike seven. For their um, habitat. habitat. We're probably missing one, but it's a lot. The seven. The seven strikes. Okay. So that's a lot. And... um. You know, they're rare. They're getting rare. And this sparks an uptick in collecting. Private collectors and museums scramble to get their hands on the remaining birds, and they do get quite a few. Uh, we know this because a census in 1985 of museum collections worldwide listed more than 800 parakeet specimens. Whoa. That's a lot. Hmm. 
Mom, have you seen that box that had all those parakeet eggs in? What, hon? The box with all my collectible parakeet eggs that are really valuable now. I thought that I uh, I gave you that box last time you came. No, when I moved out of the house, uh, I left it right here for safekeeping, and now it's gone. Oh, geez, you right there, huh? Did you sell it in a yard sale? Uh- <laughs> Well, hon, I didn't, th- you know, you hadn't touched that box in years, and I thought... Yes. Do you realize what you've done? Those were Carolina parakeet eggs. They're super valuable uh-huh. now. There's like okay. only a few hundred left. Well, what about all those baseball cards? What? Uh- they were in there with the baseball cards. Are you hungry? <laughs> can, I, can, I, can I make you some lunch? So we're down to just a handful, and let's talk about those, because this is always the best part. In 1900, a Mr. Dr. Schufelt. Mr. Doctor? Did you like that? Yes. I, I added that myself. Oh, that's nice. Uh, Schufelt had two parakeets as pets, presumably some of the very last ones in existence, and he wants to photograph them, and he succeeds in photographing one. And that photo is one of only two photos that remain of living Carolina parakeets. If you wanted to see that photo. Oh, great. Hold on. Let me. If you wanted to see that photo, I've provided it in that book right below you. Okay. Uh, And what I'm seeing here is, yep, it's a pair. It's a Carolina parakeet. He's kind of looking over sheepishly, you know, with one, his beak sort of on his shoulder and he's sitting on top of a couple little branches. Mm-hmm. So just imagine a regular-looking parakeet that you've seen about a million times. Yeah. The controversy surrounding this photo is that it actually kind of looks like a stuffed specimen. I was going to say that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it apparently isn't. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so he, he gets that photo. For some reason, doesn't capture the other bird that he has. And uh, shortly after this photo is taken, he decides to spruce up the bird's cage with a new coat of paint. I see where Uh, this is going. The birds proceed to chew on the the paint color in this game. (laughs) They they eat the paint. It's poison paint or something, and uh, they die from that. Uh, The other photograph of a living Carolina parakeet is of doodles, which if you look below... Wow, we must be really getting down to it if they're getting names. That's Yeah, 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 yeah. And as you probably noticed, uh, that doodles is standing on the chest of his master, eating out of his mouth, which seems to be a popular trick. See, okay, the funny thing about this picture that I'm looking at is that the bird doesn't seem stuffed, but the guy does. (laughs) Let me describe. He's sitting in this, like, leather-backed chair with, like, you know, it's kind of ornate. He's in his suit. My best description is he looks like Lennon without the (laughs) facial hair. Dead eyes. He's got his mouth a little bit open, and this bird is beak deep (laughs) into his molars getting something yeah i wonder if that's still a trick that parakeets do because i I don't i don't know any bird people right now but the ones i've known in the past wouldn't surprise me at all Ew. okay okay so doodles was given to a mr paul barch did i ever tell you my parakeet story no um my roommate used to have a parakeet it could have been a different type of bird i don't know and we were moving 
from one place to the other. We do this move, and it's the end of the day. We're exhausted. We, you know, we just moved everything in this giant truck. And the last few boxes were in this car. And I remember being out there just dead tired, exhausted. Open up the door. He grabs a parakeet cage, pulls it out, and the bottom of the cage just falls out. <laughs> this bird goes. <laughs> I, I never forget it. Flying off into the horizon. Freedom. And we just looked and went, well, that's all you needed to say. Well, but good good for that bird. That bird. Second he could. Yeah. See you later. He probably unhooked the bottom of the cage. He had been planning for this moment his whole captive life. If you were a bird, a move would be the time. Yeah. Everybody knows this. And as we know, they're smart. You said it was a parakeet. Probably. Could have been cockatiel. I don't know the difference. Hmm. Hey, well, thank you for that story. In my head, it sounded better. Okay, so Doodles was given to a Mr. Paul Barch, and they became very close friends. Doodles would fly around the house, play marbles with him. He even had its own plate at mealtime. He napped with Paul, and obviously he ate from his mouth. They were very close. Sadly, in 1914... Doodles drops from his perch above a doorway and passes away in Paul's hands. Wow, that's dramatic. Mm -hmm. Doodles, old chap, you look a little under the weather. Paul. What is it, Doodles? I'm not feeling so good. Don't say that, Doodles. You look fine. Do I? I know I just said you did it, but I changed my mind. Paul. Are you going to make me eat from your mouth again? You love that. Do I? Doodles, you're not yourself right now. What's wrong? I just, I, I've been thinking about it and it's kind of, why can't I just eat like a regular bird from a, from a plate on a table? That's not something regular birds do, but you do do that. I know. Also, would you talking crazy let's go play some marbles weird i'm not a baby bird why am i eating from your mouth i'm i'm just kidding something's wrong with you why i I don't feel good are you about to die am i come to papa's mouth have a snack i made blueberries (laughs) i guess one more go at it couldn't hurt anyone here we go doodles Uh. doodles So that was, um, those were some pets, the last pets. As for the last wild parakeets, we can't say for sure when the very last one was taken, but one ornithologist claims to have done it, a Mr. Frank Chapman, and he goes on an expedition for the American Museum of Natural History in the late 1800s, early 1900s, not sure exactly when, uh, and he shoots several of them. And after he does this, he realizes that these might be some of the very last ones. Uh, so he promises not to shoot anymore. Uh, this could be right out of any other episode. Right. Two days later, he, he just can't help himself and he shoots a few more. <laughs> Somebody's got to do it. Um, and that's it. Nobody really shoots anymore after that because they can't find it. None left. Yeah. event is proud to support prehistoric times magazine oh i'm sorry is the microphone picking this up 
It is, yes. We oh, I was that. just leafing through this prehistoric times magazine. Well, I didn't know you were a reader, Jack. Well, I'm not just a reader. I'm a prehistoric man. <laughs> is that so? Mm-hmm. Well, jeez. Then this is how I keep up with the times. <laughs> As a prehistoric man, I don't know how to read. Oh. So, But I love the pictures. The pictures are great. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of fan art in there. Uh, it's basically how I keep up with the news of prehistoric life that I'm not going to get anywhere else. No, I don't think you could get it anywhere else. It's a great magazine. Well, it's for dinosaur enthusiasts. It Are is. Are you enthusiastic yeah, I, about dinosaurs? I am very. Have you read this? I'm a subscriber. I think you'd like it. I do like it. I read it quarterly. I can't wait for the next issue to it's come out. It's got all the latest scientific discoveries in paleontology. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You should read it. I do. <laughs> so, um, but you I don't, don't read it, right? I don't. The words, they, they're just little black lines on it. They look like tiny snakes, and they <laughs> scares me. It, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Did you see a little snake? I saw the magazine. No, I saw a picture of a dino. It looks so realistic. Got a little scared there. <laughs> Nothing to worry about. It's just your prehistoric times it's, magazine. Well, I'm just trying to keep up with the news here. You know? That's a respectable thing. In the morning, I, I had a cup of coffee, I, uh, you know, some raw meat, <laughs> and my, you know, flip through the times. You should read it. I, uh, I love it. I'm a fan. I'm a subscriber. If you want to be a subscriber, go to prehistorictimes.com and you can do it there. Don't miss out. So in addition to the few remaining pets, there were Carolina parakeets in zoos, most notably at the Cincinnati Zoological Garden. In the late 1880s, they purchased some parakeets for two fifty each, $2.50. Mm, good deal. Yeah. Uh, the two most famous birds from that collection were Incus and Lady Jane. I thought you were going to say Dinkus. And <laughs> Incus and Dinkus. Would have been. Incus and Dinkus. Lady Jane's nice, though, too. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Incas and Lady Jane lived there together for 32 years. What? Yeah, and eventually they're just, they'll outlive all other captive Carolina parakeets to become the very last of their species. That's impressive. Yeah. 32 years in Cincinnati. (laughs) It's got to be some kind of record. (laughs) Yeah. And apparently the pair did reproduce many times. But they kicked the eggs out of their nest. <laughs> Don't want to deal with that yeah. responsibility. <laughs> you don't need some squawking, grating. <laughs> Smart birds. I don't know. Uh, it could have been stress. It could have been they. It just didn't feel right. I'm not sure. They don't want to raise babies in a world, right? Like Cincinnati. <laughs> Um, and then, like, nobody wants to put the blame on the zookeepers here. Like, couldn't you have maybe saved some I don't of this? put a net eight? underneath. Yeah. <laughs> 32 years of this. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Ah, just missed it. Ah, uh, oh well. Anybody hungry? Mm. Uh, I don't know what was going on there, but 
that could have been a delicacy for the zookeepers. This would not surprise me. Yeah. Okay, so Incas and Lady Jane become so famous that in 1917, the London Zoo offers to buy them for $400. Wow. That's like a 2,000% appreciation of what they originally bought them for. Don't quote me on that math. I know it's off. It was a lot. The Cincinnati Zoo says no, which is a decision they will probably regret because that same year, Lady Jane dies. Probably saved us from another war with England. (laughs) Yeah. you imagine that? We're like, sure, yeah, you can have this 32-year-old bird. Go ahead. Come take it. (laughs) Shows up dead. Yeah. Next thing you know. The $400 war rages on for (laughs) centuries. (laughs) Okay, so now it's just Incas left. He's the last of his species. But the love of his life is gone. These are dramatic birds. They are. (laughs) And he dies, reportedly of grief, several months later. I want to know, in all our episodes... Grief is a surprising number of, you know, there's a surprising number of animals who died of grief. This is not the first one. It's not that he was 32 years old, which seems like it's a a weird age. It's a good age. It's a good age. I I think it's just we like to put a little sweet into it so that we don't have to take any responsibility for it. What a shame. Died of a broken heart. Yeah. Meanwhile, we're like plowing down the forests and <laughs> yeah. he- eating them, shooting them, and plucking all their of feathers eggs. off, and smashing their <laughs> eggs. You're like, mm, died of a broken heart. Oh, nothing you could do with that. No doctor can fix that. <laughs> okay. So this is crazy. But several years before this, Martha the very last captive passenger pigeon, died in the same aviary as Incas and Lady Jane. Also possibly from heartache, if you recall. Um, <laughs> she had lost her lover, George Washington. Oh, my. This is this is crazy. Someone needs to investigate this zoo. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, how many? And I knew I had heard it before, yeah. and now I know why. Mm-hmm. Martha. But if one zoo is having several of the last of its species die of heartbreak, <laughs> I don't know. It just seems a little fishy. It does. Sometimes you'll read that Incas and Martha died in the same cage, but I don't think that's actually true. I probably won't true. read that, but okay. What? I probably will never no, read that. No, but they, they like to, I think it sounds more interesting. I don't, More dramatic. Yeah. It's the same cage, two of the very last of a species. I think it was just the same aviary. I'm not entirely sure. But that's not all. Get the story out. doesn't end there. So if you recall, when Martha died, her body was frozen in a block of ice and sent to the Smithsonian in mm-hmm. Washington. When Incas died, he was also frozen in a block of ice. And the package was sent to the Smithsonian, but it never arrived how do you just mishandle that cargo probably pretty easily (laughs) also like what happened with lady jane's body why why were they like "Mm, 
second to last. Not as important. Right. It's not valuable. Strange. Maybe if they named her Dinkus. <laughs> and that's pretty much it. In the 1920s, someone spots a wild flock of Carolina parakeets. Again, there's a sighting in the 1930s. Blah, 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 blah. It's too late. You know, these sightings, they always happen. But they're gone. They're declared extinct in 1939. Mm. Why did they go extinct? There are so many factors at play this time. It's hard to pinpoint just one because we shot them. We ate them. We collected ah, strike them. One, strike two. <laughs> we kept them as pets. Strike we three. wore their feathers. Strike four. Colonists strike cut down five. their forests. European honeybees strike took six. over their trees. I don't know. Just pick whichever strike one seven. you, you and the want. Picnic bears. And the picnic bears. You're out. That's it. I don't know. That's the story. Adios, Carolino. Adios, Carolina parakeets. I don't know, Jack. I don't know about this one. It left me feeling weird. I, I'm, uh... You're spent, man. You're getting jaded. I could tell. If it's of any consolation, I think next week will be exciting. Should I tell you what I'm planning? Okay. The Malagasy Dwarf Hippopotamus. Mm. And maybe a, a combo episode with the uh, giant lemurs. Well, now you've just committed. Yeah. They are also sometimes referred to as the tret, 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 trets or something. I got to look up how you pronounce it. Tret, 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 tret. I'm, I'm pumped. Yeah. Let's do it. Well, uh, we need do it right a, now? We need, no. We need something less heartbreaking to follow up on uh, this one. I'm sad right now. Are you? Oh, they're pretty dramatic birds. Ah, I don't. I don't have anything else. Bye. Okay, guys. We'll tune in next time. Thanks so much for listening. I already said bye. Say it again. I'm not doing it. This is when you say bye to someone, and then you you walk out the door with them, and you're both walking to your cars, and you're like, "I said bye way back there." But then you got to do a little wave. And then I go, ah, and bye, "Bye, right, bye, okay, bye." Peg Lake Deer Production.